Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. A.R. Bernard is one of the most influential religious leaders and transformative visionaries of our time. Once a Nation of Islam follower and teenage civil rights activist, Dr. A.R. Bernard currently leads one of the largest congregations in the United States with 40,000 plus members. He is the founder, president and senior pastor of Christian Cultural Center. Today, he is a premier thought leader in Christianity and American history and race relations. He has been featured on Fox News, CNN, and has his own weekly show on Daystar TV. His transformative messages are also shared in his books, Happiness Is and Four Things Women Want From A Man. Dr. Bernard is very passionate about the role the church plays in politics and has consulted for and advised a host of political leaders across the political spectrum, including the Clintons, the New York governor, Andrew Cuomo and former mayor and 2020 presidential candidate Michael Bloomberg, to name but a few. He is married to Karen and together they have successfully experienced 48 years of marriage, 42 years of ministry, raised seven sons and are blessed with 24 beautiful grandchildren. Please welcome to Mandate 2020, Dr. A.R. Bernard. Hello, this is Pastor A.R. Bernard. Welcome to Mandate Men's Conference. I want to thank Pastor Agu for inviting me to participate and uh, make some contribution, especially with such a theme as thriving in uncertain times. And the reality is that times are always uncertain. We're never fully sure about anything. What's different about now is that all of our systems of stability and consistency and traditions have been disrupted the global pandemic that we continue to experience, and there are those who are talking about even a second wave, really shocked the world and disrupted our way of life. And here in the United States of America, not only did we have health challenges because of the pandemic, but also social issues began to be brought to the forefront. The senseless murder of George Floyd, an African-American by a white police officer, publicly displayed on video and circulated around the world, torturing a man for eight minutes publicly in plain sight. It awakened a, an anger, a resentment, a sense of incompletion with regard to the American dream for people of color. It also created a 
consensus of national moral outrage against the racism that continues to be part of American society. But I would say all of that coming together, creating a climate of upheaval and disruption, changing the world as we know it, and having us guessing on what the new normal is going to look like, because we don't know. We don't know in our educational systems, our economic systems, our political systems, all of our social systems. We don't know. So these are challenging times, but it's not the first time that we've experienced these kind of things. Throughout human history, we have seen disruptions that have come in many different forms. This pandemic is reminiscent of the pandemic 100 years ago in 1918 called the Spanish flu that impacted 50 million people around the world. And we were wrestling with the same issues that we're wrestling today with today. So it's, it's not new. It is part of life, uncertainty, mystery, even for us as Christians. And in the Western world and Western Christianity, we like clarity, we want certainty, we want definitiveness. But the reality, neither our faith nor life provides that kind of consistent and total certainty about anything. And we can tend to be paradoxical in our thinking because we want what's predictive and yet we want surprise because the predictive becomes ho-hum, ho-drum. No, we want to know with certainty as much as we can so that we can feel comfortable and secure and yet our security has been disrupted. So how do we, how do we respond to times like these? And that is a critical question that I'd like to at least touch on because it's so deep, the well, that we can draw from. I would like to just scratch the surface, touch on it a bit today. And as I think about uncertain times and familiar passages of Scripture, I cannot help but go back to the book of Esther, where a people, the Jewish people, living under threat of annihilation, living in captivity, living as a, as a minority in, within a dominant society. And faced with annihilation, faced with genocide and total destruction, there were two characters, two players that come to the forefront, a man named Mordecai and a woman named Esther, who happened to be queen. The story is interesting, please read it. It's very enjoyable. But she happens to be queen in the king's court. And she is poised, positioned to make a difference in terms of the outcome for the genocide of her own people. And Mordecai has to be that voice to remind her that if she doesn't speak up, that indeed she is not exempt from the very fate of genocide that all of her Jewish people face. And we get these words in, es in Esther chapter 4, verse 14. For such a time as this, you've come to the kingdom. Who knows, Mordecai says to Esther, but for such a time as this, you are where you are in human history for such a time as this. And he places on her a demand for creativity and innovation in response to the crisis. And let me say 
That's God's perspective on crisis, and that's what should be our perspective on crisis. It should squeeze out of us creativity, innovation, passion for what the possibilities may be in spite of what the circumstances may look like. So here we are in uncertain times, and it's not just local, it's global. And I'd like to offer just some thoughts and ideas, because what Mordecai presented was something of a way of thinking, a way of looking at life, an attitude, uh, a, a worldview that came out of his worldview, his view of the world, his understanding of God in relationship to what's happening in human society. So Mordecai was simply saying to her, look, just maybe you are in a time, space, in human history that is providential. And this is important because as Christians, we believe that our lives are providential, that our lives are based upon the foreknowledge and foresight of God. So we don't accidentally happen along the way in human history. No, I believe that God, who has a bigger plan and direction that he's taking all of the universe in, especially humanity, strategically places us in time, space, and human history. Often when someone is in human history and does or says something that has a radical change on the direction of human society or a nation, they call him or her an anachronism, someone that seems to be out of place within the context of things. But that is never true because with God, there are no coincidences. Everything is strategic. Everything is planned. Even though he allows human will and works his providential will in spite and along with the choices that we make as human beings. So we believe that we have been strategically placed in time, space, and human history right here, right now. Whether you are in London, whether you're in New York, Los Angeles, California, Sydney, Australia, it doesn't matter. We have been strategically placed by God in this particular time and space in human history. I love how the scriptures bear this out. In Galatians chapter 4, in the Amplified Bible, it uses the term the fullness of time when referring to Jesus coming in to time, space, and human history. It says, at the right moment in history, when God's providential oversight of the events of the world had directed and prepared peoples and nations for the incarnation, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, under the law, the law of Moses. How incredible is that statement? That God chose the specific moment when nations and powers and cultures and society, when the world at large would be aligned in such a way that he would then bring the incarnation of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Everything that God does, he does with purpose, with intention. So you and I are alive today 
And I can tell you from my own experience, I thank God to be alive today because I was hit with the COVID-19, hospitalized for five days. And thank God that with pre-existing conditions, I was able to overcome that challenge and be here to have this conversation with you. So evidently, there's purpose, purpose to your life, purpose to my life. There's a reason why we are here and continue. So God intervenes with great exactness into the events of human history. I just want to run this point home a little bit more. God has determined the exact hour, day, month, and year for certain things to happen as recorded in the judgments on the earth during the tribulation period in Revelation chapter 9, verse 15. So here we are as Christian men at a time of great social, political, and global pandemic that has changed our way of life forever. And we're all trying to figure out what's that new normal going to look like. So the question is, how should we approach it? And we as Christians approach life through a very specific lens, a worldview in which we understand and exercise faith in God, a lens through which we make sense of what it means to live in this world and what it means to be human. Here, I speak of none other lens than the kingdom of God. The very thing that Jesus preached about when he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He interchanged the kingdom of God has come. What is the kingdom of God? We must have a definition for clarification. The kingdom of God of which Jesus preached and spoke is the government of God. It's a way of doing and being. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of approaching life. It's a way of organizing human society and the best way to live within that society as human beings. So the kingdom of God for us is a comprehensive way of seeing life that informs our words, our thoughts, our motives, our actions, our attitudes, and our choices. That's important because when we talk about approaching life, especially in uncertain times, in ways that we can thrive, our attitude determines how we will approach it. And our approach determines success or failure. So what perspective should we have on the current affairs that we are in, the current state of affairs that we're in? How do we navigate this climate? Spiritually, morally, ethically, in terms of our family, our business. Attitude, remember, determines approach, and approach determines success or failure. I'd like to take you to another place of crisis, of change, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, beginning at verse 19. And God was addressing his people at a time of crisis when there was upheaval, the future uncertain. And he spoke to them these words which is what God does. Because remember, everything that God does, he does according to a pattern and based on a principle. He says in Isaiah 43, 19, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field shall honor me. 
the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to drink, to give my people to drink, my chosen ones. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. Wow. Powerful words. A lot of metaphorical language here that we need to unpack. But what does God say? He says that I'm about to do something new. So in the face of crisis, it opens the door for something new. Because the old, when in times of crisis, is being challenged. The status quo is being challenged. Establishment is being challenged. And that's what's happening socially here in America and around the world, especially in issues of the value of black life. Black Lives Matters as a philosophy, which I distinguish from the organization that subscribes to a set of values that I don't agree with, but as a movement, as the importance of black life, I absolutely sign on to that. And what are our young people who are out there protesting doing? They're challenging the status quo. They are challenging the establishment. And that's what crisis does. Because the pattern for purification, as Jesus presented it in John chapter 15, he said, every branch in me that bears fruit, I will purge it. I will prune it. So all purification is by way of crisis. Crisis moves us from one level to another. It moves us from the temporary to the permanent, from the temporal to the, to the eternal. Crisis reveals the cracks, the deficiencies, the weaknesses, so that we can shore them up. So as Christians, we don't look at crisis in the negative. We look at it in the positive. We begin to think about creativity and innovation to respond to the needs that are created by the crisis itself. So let's look at some of the metaphorical language. God here is calling his people in Isaiah 43 to remember what he did for them in the Exodus. Let's, uh, let's go back to the earlier verses, verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, which makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. Verse 17, which brings forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched as tow. Verse 18, remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. See, crisis changes our perspective on the past and the present to open us to a new future. That's why we keep hearing the language about the new normal. He says, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. And that's verse 19 that we were speaking of. So here, God is calling his people to remember what he did for them in Exodus from, in their exodus from Egypt. But now he's about to do something even greater. There is no comparison. So look at, let's look at some of the metaphors. Away in the wilderness. In other words, where there is no clear path forward, God creates one. I'll say it again. Where there is no clear path forward, God creates one. That's how we begin to move towards thriving in uncertain times. Our attitude, the lens that we look through, that we see through and make sense of things must change. So we depend on God. 
that here he is going to make a clear path. God creates one for us. How about the, the language rivers in the desert? In other words, where there is no natural relief or refreshment, God will provide it. Wow. Let's move forward. Wild beasts honor me, jackals and ostriches. In other words, the things that may threaten us during this period of time of crisis, right, won't because God is involved. God is present. He said, I'm doing a new thing. And whenever God is engaged in doing a new thing, we religiously, especially in the Protestant context, we call it revival. In other words, God is about to awaken passion, innovation, and fervor and remind us of all the possibilities that come from his involvement in our lives. So when we think about revival, because that's what really thriving in uncertain times is all about, it's about seeing the hand of God stirring revival. It's an improvement in the condition of things. It is a change in seasons. It's a reawakening of passion and fervor towards purpose. It's the restoration of vigor, life, and consciousness. Renewal is what revival is all about. So if there's anything I want you to get out of this today is that this season is revival. This season is renewal. So let's break it down a bit. What do we mean? There are five aspects to revival or renewal that is stirred or initiated by God. And I'm not talking about the revival that, you know, we preachers decide we're going to have a week of meetings and have different preachers come in or, or have, you know, different uh, uh, praise and worship leaders or special music people come in. No, no, no. I'm talking about something that's God-initiated and God-inspired. And we can tell because it has the following qualities. Number one, it has personal renewal. It is a call to reevaluating who we are as an individual. It's a call to reexamining our own identity, our sense of understanding, our role in life. So it is indeed the renewal of purpose. Let me give some additional notes to that uh, as well as we, as we kind of unpack it. So, it begins with renewal of pur purpose. So personal and professional renewal. This is a time of personal and professional renewal. I'll say it again. It's reevaluating your personal life. That's number one. We're talking about your core values, your core purposes, your priorities, because it means reordering your activities in a way that's for greater efficiency and greater productivity. If anything, these times have taught us, it's taught us what we could do without. It's really reduced us to the essentials of life. It also causes us to reevaluate our personal commitments. What are we committing our time, our talent, our resources to? Is it giving us the kind of return on that investment? So this time is really the pruning, the purging that Jesus spoke about so that we can be more productive. If there's anything we've cut as corporations, as ministries, uh, in, in our personal lives, it's overhead. We have cut overhead incredibly, and we're seeing productivity come increase. Companies are talking about shutting down a lot of their office space to continue 
by empowering their employees to work from home because they're finding a greater level of productivity, a greater level of efficiency. So personal and professional renewal, that's number one. Number two, relational renewal, reevaluating our relationship. Remember, relationships is the network for life. And we must learn to manage the spaces of our life. So at these times, we begin to examine who occupies those spaces in proximity to us, especially those close to us. Are they there for a purpose, for a reason? Are they mature enough to occupy that space? We begin to also think about the people that are important to us in life. And we express gratitude, the necessary gratitude that we may not have expressed because we were so busy, so, so caught up in the busyness of life. Under relational renewal, it's also about reprioritizing the relationships in our life. What relationships need to be first that maybe those relationships that should have been first, they were last. And we need to rearrange the order of our relationships. As I said, reassessing the spaces that people occupy in your life. So there's personal and professional renewal, relational renewal, that's number two. And this is all how we approach these times so that we can indeed thrive in uncertainty. Third is the renewal of purpose, which I said earlier. And that's reevaluating purpose. Our passion, our vocation, our occupation, our sense of mission. What does that look like? Are we clearly defined in our own minds with regard to what our vocation or calling is, what our occupation is, and what our mission and service to humanity is? Repurposing people, places, and things in your life is all about the renewal of purpose. Fourth, structural renewal. It is a time to restructure our lives, the way our lives are organized. Remember, however you arrange your life, the structure establishes a rhythm, and that rhythm establishes a pattern. And if you don't like the outcome, the patterns that you continue to walk in, then you have to go back to how your life is arranged in order to change that pattern. If the pattern is good, then you fortify it. Secondly, under structural renewal, your personal, family commitments, community, business, social institutions, all of that goes under a restructuring. And again, it goes back to priority. Right now, as a result of this pandemic, you have corporations like J. Crew, Neiman Marcus, JCPenney, Gap, Old Navy, retail establishment that for us in America, you know, we, we, we frequent. And I'm sure uh, there in London, there are specific uh, uh, retail establishments that have had to declare bankruptcy. But pay attention carefully. That doesn't mean they're closing down. It simply means they're restructuring their debt, restructuring their organization so that they can come back more efficiently and more effectively. Lastly, cultural renewal. And I think this is so important because when you talk about culture, the way societies organize, the way we live within the society, the common good, how we relate to one another, our social systems and structures. Because in America, if there's anything that COVID-19 has done, it is exposed the serious deficiencies and inequities in our healthcare system, especially as it relates to the minority population in America. And of course, 
with the brutality of, of, of police uh, exacted upon persons of color, that also strongly reminded us of the deficiencies and inequities in our systems, especially when it comes to policing, when it comes to criminal justice. So all of these things are exposed during a time of crisis like this and requires renewal. We begin to challenge these systems and structures and the way they function, the practices, the codes, the legal codes, the, the processes. So we reaffirm our identity as a culture. And America has been in an identity crisis for a couple decades now. And now we have to really ask the serious question, who are we as America? What are our core values? We are deeply divided down political lines, ideological lines, left and right, extremes and then the middle. So this time really forces us to ask these questions. Who are we? We must reaffirm our cultural identity, our cultural values. And what is true for a nation is true for a community, true for a church, true for a business, true for you as an individual. Secondly, under cultural renewal, reevaluating those systems and structures, as I said. Thirdly, reevaluating policies, processes, and practices. So if you have a business corporation, this applies to your business. If you have a ministry, this applies to your ministry. If it, apply, it also applies to you as a person, as an individual, as a family as well. So this is about improvement. It's about doing things new. It's about re-examining how we think about ourselves, how we think about crisis. Remember, thriving in uncertain times begins with your attitude. It begins with your outlook on life. How you perceive the situation will determine how you respond to it. Biblically, remember, the kingdom of God is our lens. The kingdom of God is a comprehensive way of seeing life that informs our words, thoughts, motives, actions, attitudes. It informs how we conduct ourselves, especially in times like these. It informs how we respond to times like these. And what is God looking for? He's looking for us to be creative, innovative, to be reaffirmed in our passion for life, in our passion towards achievement, accomplishment, and productivity. Because that's why we were made. He said in the beginning, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion. And that mandate has not changed. That mandate still applies today. And I will tell you, this is a time to be curious because creativity comes out of curiosity. When you're curious enough to find solutions, to find answers, corporations will pay you big money. When you're curious enough, you will burn the midnight oil. When you are curious enough, you will put in the extra time. So get curious about what creativity and innovation can be applied to respond to the situations at hand. The kingdom of God is positive. So we always have a positive outlook and a positive approach. Attitude is where it all begins. This is a time to thrive like never before. And I will tell you, crisis squeezes the 
good stuff out of us. And I will tell you, the juice is worth the squeeze. This is A.R. Bernard. God bless you.